Hello, and welcome to Sunday Devotionals with John and Rachel. We're so honored to have you join us as we explore God's truth and get to know Him in a more authentic and intimate way. As we go through life, many of us have questions, concerns, and issues that may hinder us from fully embracing who God is and who He's called us to be. These devotionals are designed to help us navigate life and all that comes with it, learning and growing in God. So pull up a chair and grab a cup of coffee, or in my case, tea, and join us as we fellowship. We pray that you are all growing and that you all have been blessed by this series. We are continuing the series today, and we're going to talk about rejection and dealing with that and being able to hold on to the value that you have amidst other people maybe not seeing you for who you are. As many of you, I'm sure, can relate, it's a very painful place. You do a lot of inward dialogue in this area right here, and it can be very, very debilitating and very, very destructive, especially to yourself. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how God deals with it. We're going to, we're going to deal with a Bible character today that many of you may know, and we'll just look at how God deals with it and what may be happening on the other side of our internal feelings. Um, the earliest times of rejection I can remember, and it's, this is like, like trivial, we're picking teams, playing kickball. And this is the classic example. You're playing kickball, <laughs> getting a kickball team, right? And, you know, you got the athletic kids who are like, you know, you already know the classroom consists of various types of kids, some who are more artistic, some who are athletic, some who don't care about anything, some <laughs> whose heads is in the clouds, and some, you know, who did the, the non-coordinated ones, whatever, right? But the task is we're playing kickball, right? And the goal is to pick a team that is going to win, right? So we line you up in that lineup, and you got two, two captains, and they're picking this one, and they're picking that one, and they're picking this one, and they're picking that one. And all of us know that the obvious choices get picked first, right? And we always don't want certain people to get picked on the same team because we know all of a sudden it's unfair, right? But what happens to the people who start getting picked last? Like, you know, the fifth pick and the sixth pick. Then there's only 20 kids in the class. 16th pick, 17th pick, and the last pick. I don't know if you guys can relate to that where you were on the spectrum, but we can all relate to the idea of getting picked last, right? Or maybe not last, but not first. Put it that way, right? Not being somebody's preference. And this, we were talking about it in the light of a kickball game, but let's talk about it in the light of other things. Friendships, relationships, groups that you like to be a part of, even in your life, amongst family, you know, whether family takes side or not. Do they take your side or not? All of these um, kind of point to that area that we all struggle with. And depending on where that is in our life and how that's affected us, we can tend to turn inward and start asking ourselves questions like, why me? Why haven't I been picked? You know, what's wrong with me? Certain things. And we start to gauge our own value based on whether or not we are accepted by outside people. The thing about rejection that I think is the most debilitating, especially when it comes to dealing with it with other people, is that when other people reject you, they're only rejecting a certain part of you. They're rejecting based on a perception, based on a need that you don't quite fulfill at that time. Now, what happens to us on the inside is we look at ourselves as a whole and usually we feel like our total selves are being rejected because that's what it feels like. Like if you don't want a part of me, then you don't want any of me. Right. So dealing with that and kind of wrestling with that reality, when you look at it from God's point of view, you look at it from a relationship with God. 
a lot of time, this whole idea of not being acceptable enough or not being worth it enough can kind of rear its ugly head in our relationship and our perception of how God really feels about us. We often say that God made us unique. He's designed us in a certain way. All of us have certain personalities, certain dispositions. Um, all of us have, you know, with different cultures, different races, the whole, the whole nine. But at the end of the day, God made us that way and he's accepting of all of us. However, when it comes to church, sometimes and some of our experiences in when we experience God through the lens of people and through the lens of people's judgments, we can project those sentiments that we have amongst each other wrongly on God. And that's how we disqualify ourselves from, from being able to have an intimate relationship with God, because we feel like God has preferences. And at the end of the day, being rejected by God himself, which is an evil trick of the enemy mm -hmm. to get us to feel like God somehow is rejecting us when he did everything in his power to cause us to come to him. So today we wanted to focus on a Bible character to kind of bring this home and kind of walk along the journey of his life. We encourage you to read the story. Um, you can actually go online, YouTube, whatever, and just type his name in and you can listen to his story verbatim. Um, it's a very powerful story. Uh, Disney even made a movie about him. His name is Joseph. And Joseph um, is a very powerful story of what rejection does, how it affects the person, and then God's consistent faithfulness towards that person, regardless of everything else that's happening in their life. In order for us to have a genuine relationship with the Lord, we must be able to distinguish God's faithfulness from the inconsistencies of our life. You're going to have ups and downs in your life. You're going to have things that happen that are not fair. You're going to have opportunities and doors closed in your face. There are going to be some things that you feel like you deserve, that you worked hard for, that are not just not going to happen. But we must be able to understand God's sovereignty over those vicissitudes, so to speak, in life, those variables that change in life, that we have to be able to see God's faithfulness throughout that in order for us to understand that bad things that happen in my life doesn't mean rejection from God. Right. Right. Like bad things that happen in my life doesn't mean that, you know, I'm somehow in a place outside of God's watch or God's care. And there's always that misnomer that if things are going wrong, then that means you did something wrong. Yeah. And there's a level of rejection that yeah. God is imposing on you. Like you're wrong. You're off. So I'm going to put you over here. And this is why all hell is breaking loose when in actuality that most likely is not as is, is the farthest from the truth mm -hmm. but you know there's that misconception that of course so joseph was a favorite son of his father he has other siblings and just the background of the story joseph grows up kind of favored by his father like to the point where it's kind of like he's getting a special coat, you know, he's getting all this, you know, love or whatever. And this this public affection and his brothers are not really feeling the same way. Right. This causes dissension amongst the brothers and family. And, and what they do is they plot to secretly get rid of their brother. This resentment grows and festers to the point where they go the extra mile of basically getting rid of him and then coming back to their father and saying, Dad, I'm sorry, you know, bringing the bloody coat that the father gave him as a gift and saying, I'm sorry, Joseph died. He got eaten by animals. I'm so sorry. Right. That's what it turned into. Very extreme. Right. Meanwhile, Joseph is not dead. Joseph is sold into slavery and he's sent off 
and doesn't see his father and his family again for years and years and years and years. Yeah. I just have to stop you yeah. because I don't, I don't think you may mention of what infuriated the, so ahead, the yeah, brothers yeah, yeah. so much because this this actually speaks to the the first signs of rejection. rejection yep. It says that he was his father's favorite because he was his son of his old age. So here's this I hate to say treasure because yeah, no, that's all, all children that's are you know treasures. But, yeah, but people have favorites. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, over the course of him coming up, you know, obviously he, he was shown some level of favoritism, mm-hmm. but it was also favor from God because it tells how he had two dreams or a series of dreams in which basically his brothers and even in one of his other dreams, his brothers and his mother and father mm-hmm. are symbolized in the dreams as bowing down to him. I think... Um, One of them, the sun and moon and the stars, that was his brothers and his parents. And that was the first signs of rejection when God puts something on you or he highlights you for whatever reason. And Mm -hmm. there's a purpose that he has for you. Sometimes there's a level of rejection that you'll experience because people see that. Yeah. And there's really no explanation for it. I mean, it's not like Joseph came up as a child and said, God will favor me. No, he's just... Yeah, he's walking in who God has made him. And expressing expressing what he saw. Exactly. So Joseph's story presents this in a very unique way. So Joseph gets sold into slavery. And the Bible consistently says, and this really blessed me, even as we were reflecting on it. The Bible consistently says that God favored Joseph. So Joseph's life is looking like God has not favored him. Because God watches him get sold into slavery watches him go into the palace and Joseph is in in jail for at least 10 years. But all the while, the Bible keeps saying when everything bad happens to Joseph and he's going through all these different ups and downs as a result of being rejected in every area of his life, from his family, at his job, with relationships outside, he's being rejected. But the Bible consistently says God was with him. Mm -hmm. God was with him the whole time. Ups and downs. God was with him. And this is the point we were trying to make in the beginning. In order for us to have a real, genuine relationship with God, and one that we can see God's character for what it is, we have to be able to distinguish life circumstances and God being with us. We can't get those confused. No matter how tempting as it is for us to feel like, because my life is, because I'm going through a season of loss or whatever I'm going through right now, that God is not with me. God makes himself known to us through the ups and downs of our lives. But he wants us to become more sensitive to his presence in our lives. So Joseph basically ends up in jail, right? And what was interesting about that is when Potiphar's wife, and I want you guys to read the story, when Potiphar's wife accuses Joseph to her husband, the husband who had a relationship with Joseph before does not even let Joseph explain whether it was true or not. He basically disregards the whole relationship that they had. Obviously, Joseph had earned a place and earned a level of trust. But even that level of trust was disregarded. And without a trial, without any questioning, he puts him in jail. Joseph didn't even have time to say, listen, man, I didn't do it. I ran away. Your your wife is lying. He was completely disregarded. And God let it happen. Right. And says in that instance, while he was in prison, 
and God was with them. God lets this happen, but the reassurance that Joseph would have is God was still with him. And I think that speaks to like the heart of being rejected and the fact that rejection makes you feel alone. It isolates you. It makes you feel like nobody wants you. It makes you feel like nobody is paying attention to you. Like you're not valuable, period. Thanks for coming. Like you're, you know, thanks. Goodbye. That's how it makes you feel. And that's debilitating. That's crushing. And it undermines that innate value that God placed inside of you. And that's why this is such a terrible thing, because it undermines the truth about you. Whatever God has placed inside of you, it is enough to sustain you to when God wants to exalt you. I, I, I want that to marinate there. Because a lot of times we feel like we always have to add something to ourselves to make ourselves more valuable. To make ourselves approved by people, we have to do more than God is actually requiring us to do. And one of the hardest things for us to do, especially those who deal with rejection, is be ourselves. From a personal point of view, I remember growing up, and one of the things that I always struggled with, because I was adopted, as I said before, um, you struggle with identity, you struggle with people accepting you, so that makes you a people pleaser. That makes you dishonest to yourself. That makes you not really have an opinion because you want your opinion to match up with the popular vote so that you're not on the outs. So people who struggle with rejection usually struggle with level of confidence and how they really feel. Because if, if God forbid I share how I feel, then I'm just setting myself up for rejection. Right. You have to believe that God has put something inside of you that is going to bless the world and that is going to bless other people. And it's not about the size of it. It's not about the magnitude of it. It's more about you believing that I'm valuable, not just to my family, but I'm valuable to God. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not wasted breath. I'm not just here. Like, God has me here for a specific purpose, and this purpose transcends friendships. This purpose transcends relationships. It transcends where I'm at right now. Like my giftedness is for the world at large, not just for the, the, the small circle that I'm in. And that's that's how great God has made us. You said it a little while back. Joseph, if he hadn't been open to the fact that or perceived that God was with him, mm-hmm. even in rejection and the rejection that he had faced, even up until because, you know, I mean, he, he I'm sure he faced rejection after. But up until him being in the prison, him facing rejection. He had a choice. Do I open myself up to God anyway? Right. Or do I close myself so that I'm not, I'm no use to the people around me and what I'm here for and the yeah. purpose that God placed me here for or allowed me to land for. Mm-hmm. The fact that, and this speaks to you talking about being a people pleaser because when he interpreted the dream with the butler versus the chief baker, yeah. The butler had a favorable dream or a favorable interpretation. However, the baker did not. Now, if he wasn't confident in the fact that God was with him, Mm -hmm. even in the midst of rejection, even in the midst of him being put in a place that he was not deserving of and being abandoned by the people that he had built relationships with, like Potiphar, Mm -hmm. he still allowed himself to walk in the, the confidence and the boldness of what God put inside of him, which yeah. was the gift of interpretation and mm-hmm. not skewing it 
so that he didn't make any, you know, because a lot of times what we do is, yeah. well, I don't want, like you said, we don't want to re to experience rejection anymore. So we'll we'll begin to give people favorable opinions, yeah. right? We're a lot more agreeable because right. we don't want to deal with any more pain from rejection. Yeah. But he didn't do, he still firm-footed, he, he said, I'm sorry, uh, your dream means that you're about to get hung in three days, you're about by to the die. Pharaoh. And I mean, you know, we're referencing this story because we just don't have the time to really go, through, go it, yeah. through it and read it. But please, if you're not familiar, and even if you have read it, read it again, because yeah. there's always details that you think you know, but you don't. Yeah. But he basically tells the chief baker, your dream means that the birds that you saw eating from the basket on your head is, is them eating you because you're about to get hung for whatever he did that landed him in prison. The fact of the matter is, Joseph still acted on the purpose that God put inside of him and he didn't allow the rejection that he had experienced to deter him from what he was supposed to be doing. That's a lesson that we can learn yeah. from looking. I mean, really, the whole story is a lesson on how to deal with rejection because you see God's hand through his life. Mm -hmm guiding him, mm -hmm. his presence being with him in the midst of rejection, but also how he dealt with it and ultimately what comes of it. So that's so true. And like you're saying, the hope of who he was came from the fact that he knew that God was with him. And that's got to be enough for us. And we've got to believe that if God is who he says he is and he's with me, doesn't matter who's not with me. For me, rejection came initially in the form of me being adopted. Right. My, the questions I used to ask myself all the time and still do at times. I ask myself, why me? You know, what 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 was wrong with me? You know, uh, the, considering the, the situation, the circumstances of my mother and when she was so young, 13 years old, having a baby, I could have been aborted. But because I was given another chance, even in that, you know, seeing that God must have been with me for such a time as this to be able to be on here right now and to be able to share from the other side, that I'm not a statistic, that I'm not just another person, but God has taken the brokenness that I struggled with and he's turned it into something. But the reality is rejection is always something that I'm fighting. It's always something that I'm dealing with. So recently, um, and I'll share this just a little bit uh, about you. I've always been searching um, for my birth parents. Um, always. Now my adoption was closed. So there was, there's not much that I could have, but recently 2019, I believe, um, it was Cuomo who, um, who lifted that closed adoption, uh, policy. And then he basically said, and I'm trying to quote it, that every person that was born in New York as an adoptee has a right to know where they came from. So what that did was that opened up a door for me that I've never had in all my life to be able to access my original birth certificate to see what my original name and all that other stuff was or whatever original information um, was. Right. So this opened up and it's funny, it happened on my birthday where I felt like I should search and, and all mm -hmm. that. And, and I discovered this. And, and to be honest with you, I got excited because I'm like, wow, I'm going to get I'm, I'm, re I'm getting ready to find out some answers as to, you know, just to something. And just to be clear, in no way does it elude to the fact that God had not made me whole before. And I'm sharing this with you to encourage you because all of us have a level of brokenness in our life. 
You know, some of us come from broken homes. Some of us come from dysfunctional families. Some of us have been abused in the family by relatives, things like that. We all have craziness that has happened to us in our lives that will cause us to wrestle with these internal things. However, God is a God that makes beauty from ashes. So God doesn't need A, B, C, D to create something. God creates something from nothing. So no matter how many shambles your life are in, how many pieces of broken pieces your life is in, God still has the ability to make you whole with unconventional means. So long story short, and y'all can see it. Rachel, my best friend, you know, she's the gift of God to me. You know, we, we've been close from since we've been close. And the thing is, God allowing my life to go the way it did with all the brokenness left me today with a sense of wholeness. As if I had everything that I would have wanted growing up. Right. So I may not have had a father figure and all that stuff growing up like that. But God has given me mentors and God has made Rachel's father a dear father to me. So you see what I'm saying? Like, If you are willing to allow God to fill your broken places his way. Right. See, because wholeness is wholeness. See, a lot of times we feel like in our own humanity, things got to be a certain way in order for it to work. But that's just us, though. Right. So you need a certain tool for this to work. You need this. But God is a master of trying. He's trying to make your story relevant to as many people as possible. Right. So everybody's not going to have a mother and father, but you can still be a great father. Everybody's not going to have, you know, a a whole family. But God can do whatever he's going to do and create a narrative that the world can see God's grace in through you. So even in all that, right, there's a sense of wholeness that I experience and a wholeness that I feel. And a lot of healing came from my relationship with Rach and and her family and my family and my patchwork family that God has given me from the friends and the people that he's caused to come around my life to make, you know, this story a compelling story to help encourage somebody else. But there's still that thread of dealing with the fact of why did this happen to me? Like what 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 was wrong with me? And I have to constantly surrender those feelings to God and constantly say, Lord, this hurts, but you know best. And a lot of times the rejection that I was feeling, once you accept that and you allow it to work its work, in hindsight, I'm like, wait, hold on. That was good for me. Like, like that, that, that was good for me. Like that, that, that was actually, it actually worked out. So long story short. I had mailed out for the brand new birth certificate and I finally got it right. And I was able to get some information that I didn't have before, but it wasn't what I thought it would be. So a part of me was like very discouraged because like, hold on a second, Lord, as many times as I've been looking for this, this seemed like an opportunity you were giving me to be able to find some answers that I didn't. And it seems like I'm at the same place through my wife. I heard God's heart towards me. Because the initial thing is like, here we go again. And I'm reliving the pain of rejection and the pain of being like, you know, well, you're the only person that's gone through this. And, you know, you're not going to never know where you came from. You're not going to as if I really needed that before as much. Right. It's almost like it reopened something. So Rachel, you know, basically, you know, said to me that this obviously is God doing this. Like God is obviously blocking this. But he's, it seems like he's protecting you from something. Because it just seems like every time you try to go a certain way, you, you end up at the same place. I had to look at myself and I said, well, you know what? These feelings of rejection are not really 
grounded in the complete truth. I feel loved. I feel valued. Um, I'm a dad. You know, I'm a husband. Um, I have more than I would have ever dreamed of. Um, I I can't allow this circumstance to now cause me to redefine everything that God has already allowed me to get or allowed me to go through. Right. And that's a lot of times what rejection does. It kind of makes us go into ourselves and disregard all of the other things that are actually accepting us. Right. So I've been loved and accepted by people. I have been valued by people. Ultimately, it's God's love through people. Yeah. Because people are people and they'll accept you one day and reject you the Mm -hmm. next. Right. But ultimately, it's God's love through people that he's able to show you his heart. Right. When you were talking about how sometimes rejection, there's there's a uh, a plus or a positive to it in the sense that sometimes it protects you or it's it's mm-hmm. used to preserve something else. Yeah. So I was thinking when you were talking, I was thinking about the serendipity of God in this story and how he allowed Joseph to get rejected initially. But what it did was preserve him mm-hmm. and take him to a place where he was able to, because at the if you read the end of the story, interprets the dreams and he's asked the butler to remember him once he you know gets back in good graces with the pharaoh of course the butler doesn't remember him initially but it's not until the pharaoh years later has a dream Mm -hmm. that troubles him that joseph in turn interprets and this dream basically says the land is about to experience some years of plenty Mm -hmm. and and bounty but they're also going to experience seven years of lack right Mm -hmm. so God used Joseph to not only interpret his plan for the land, but he also used Joseph and downloaded that divine wisdom that we talked about months and months ago to allow him to come up with a plan, a a course of action, so that he was able to preserve during the years of plenty Mm -hmm. so that when the lack came, Egypt didn't have any lack. They had enough food to preserve them for the seven years of famine. Mm -hmm. But if Joseph hadn't been rejected initially with his brothers and he lived all the while with his brothers, just frolicking through the fields, experiencing the favor that the the father gave him. If he didn't experience the rejection that caused him to end up where he ended up, then not only would his family not have experienced, but the entire land wouldn't have experienced God's provision right. and, and the preservation that God allowed to take place. Yeah. So a lot of times, you know, when we look at things in hindsight, we're able to see the hand of God when rejection comes and where we, we experience pushing away of certain people or mm-hmm. certain experiences, certain doors that will not open. And mm-hmm. you're, I'm doing everything possible. Why are these doors not opening all the while the serendipity of God is working behind the scenes rearranging things and making things what they should be so that at the end you can look back and say, Oh, that's why. And then you can be like David. It was good for me to have been afflicted because now I have what I'm able to give out to other people and how I'm able to rescue them, so to speak, or help them can only come from the experience of being rejected. Yeah. So just to, just to kind of encapsulate this and to bring this to 
a close here. We think about Jesus, right? Because it always points back to Jesus. Yes, and it always, always about Christ, Everything right? Everything points back. Absolutely. So Joseph's story actually is a foreshadowing of Jesus. Joseph in the Old Testament is a type of Christ. It speaks to the future of the Messiah. And this is why the gospel of Jesus Christ is so powerful, because it speaks to us on the level of where we are, right? The gospel reaches us wherever we are. And that's what this is today. That's what it is. This is the message of Christ, the liberating message of Christ. Joseph's rejection actually mirrors Christ's rejection in a way, right? So if we look at Isaiah 53, and I'm going to read the third verse to you, and it says, he was despised and rejected by mankind. This is talking about Jesus, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. This is why the power of Christ's message to us of acceptance is so relevant because the Bible says in another area that we are not in relationship with a high priest, which is Christ, that is not intricately touched and empathizing with our condition. He is not ignorant of what it feels like to experience what we experience, highs and lows. Bible says very clearly he was despised and rejected they called him a man of suffering. He was familiar with grief and people hid their faces from him and they held him in low esteem. This is Jesus. Really? Like, really? That like this is this is this is this is Jesus. All to say that rejection sometimes in our life is a part of God's plan of protection for us, that it causes us to be hidden in a way until God's time to exalt us. So the times that you feel rejected, the times that you feel cast down or ignored by people, instead of running inward and start getting frustrated and looking at yourself and devaluing yourself, think about it as this might be a divine opportunity for God to exalt me when this is over. And then also just embracing the fact that ultimately your acceptance comes from, because I, I thought about like, you know, when you're in high school or, you know, you you're in a place mentally and maturity wise where you're not able to see the value in authentic relationships. Mm -hmm. So you put more value, place more value in your social interactions. So there are certain mm -hmm. groups and certain individuals that may have been more valuable at the time that you thought were more valuable. And because they didn't accept you, you looked at the relationships you did have as not valuable. Mm hmm. When in actuality, those relationships are more valuable than the ones that you would have liked to have gotten where they rejected you. Mm -hmm. We have complete acceptance from God. So it honestly, it really doesn't matter if you've got who you've gotten rejected from outside of God, because ultimately he's all that matters. Amen. And. Yes, physically and, you know, emotionally as as a human being in our fleshly nature, we want human acceptance. But the ultimate point would be getting acceptance from God yeah. and that be taking precedence over any type of acceptance, because I'd rather get accepted from God than than man. Absolutely. Than vice versa. Absolutely. Right. There's Absolutely. a scripture in Psalms that says not to fear man that can kill body, mm -hmm. but rather God who can kill body and soul. Right. So 
yeah, it's nice to get accepted from people, but ultimately, if I'm accepted from God mm -hmm. and I know that I'm in right standing with God, then that should be more than enough. Yeah. It transcends it all. 100%. And that some, for some of us, that's going to be work. Because so much of our identity is connected to other people and to how we feel other people feel about us. So we pray that God will, will liberate us from the need to be approved by people and that we will now prioritize what God says about us. So Lord, we thank you and we praise you, thank you Lord. for yet another opportunity to come before you and hear what's on your heart and your mind thank you, Lord. for your people, God. We thank you because... You are always speaking to us and you're always uh, ministering to our hearts, God, and the you. places that we are, the brokenness that we experience and have. We can give it to you and you're always uh, walking us through it, God, mm. and providing healing thank and you. deliverance, God. So, thank Lord, we you. thank you and we praise you. I pray, God, that as we continue to move forward, that you would remind us yes, that you would be an ever-present help mm. when we experience rejection mm. yes, Lord. through relationships, through opportunities that may have passed or closed, that you would show us your serendipity and yes, how Lord. you are still providing for us and how you are still making a way for us, God. Yes, it may Lord. seem like we're being rejected, but you're protecting us. You're preserving us for a greater purpose, a greater use. So, Lord, we thank you and we praise you for that. I pray, God, that you would look on each and every participant and listener, Please, God. All the needs that we have put before you, that they have put before you, I pray, God, that you would meet them as you always have, God. Give us even greater revelation on Please, who Lord. you are Please, and who we are in you. I pray, God, that you would continue to give us grace for the things that will not change, that cannot change, that you will not allow to change. I pray that you would give us the mercy when we fall short of the calling and when we fall short of the mark. And I pray, God, that you're, you would give us your continued favor to obtain the things that we cannot and we are not qualified to obtain on our own, God. We thank you and we praise you for just being God to us. And we vow that we will always Praise you, give your name the praise, but we will always live for you. And that glory and honor will come from our lives and will point back to you. In Jesus' name we pray. We hope you've been blessed by what we share. You can follow us at Sunny Devotionals on Instagram and like us on Facebook, where we can continue our discussions and keep in touch. We love you all and pray God continues to bless and keep you.